0: This is Burn This Book, a banned books book club where we, Nicole and Eden, read a banned or challenged book twice a month and discuss its meaning, impact, and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers. This week's book is Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, which was published in 1932. And joining us today is our, is this podcast's designer, Candace <laughs> McAllister, calling in from London. Candace, can you tell us about yourself and your connection to this book? I
1: can indeed it's actually I think a really fun connection so I met you guys on zoom much like what we are now um when you kicked off the podcast so I am a I haven't quite figured out what I am but I call myself sometimes (laughs) like I know it's one of those I don't know um a visual storyteller so I work across lots of different mediums um I currently work for a theater company I do fringe theater but I'm an animator an illustrator a graphic designer and I just like kind of Uh, telling stories through visuals and helping people tell those stories and so with you guys we worked together in creating the kind of branding for the podcast and the podcast covers and what I think is really cool is when we had those early discussions we talked a bit about propaganda and a bit about a kind of um, visual style for the podcast which linked so well with Brave New World and so when you guys Mm -hmm. talked about the books you had coming up in this in the season the series I thought oh actually this is a really good segue I am no authority on 1930 sci-fi but I really like sci-fi <laughs> and I've read a lot of it and I'm really into it it is like I feel like if I was a film who wants to be a millionaire it would be my specialist subject again I will preface this zero authority zero degrees zero like papers just a passion
0: just a, just passion. a fan just
1: a fan I'm just yeah, a fan <laughs>
2: And I'm gonna plug Candace's work. It's so good. I I still need, oh my gosh, I don't even know if you still have those prints. I like two, three during COVID, I was like, can you make this available for US shipping? And then I never bought them. So I still need to buy them. But your social <laughs> distance pieces, yeah. oh, I think about them all the time. But <laughs> Candice's work such is such a fun project
1: too. Oh to it's so one.
2: creative. Yeah, it's so creative, and she has an Etsy shop. And I, um, once I get a job, I'm going to buy some prints. So if, oh, yeah, I like—I don't those know. Those are so much really work cool.
1: She does. A, those ones are really cool because they were lockdown posters, and we ended up doing paste ups around Shoreditch, and and stuck them as a street art project. But for those That's listening, cool. they're like, uh, I worked for a dance company at the time, so they're just kind of very. Uh, bar house like German style dances, and they say social distance, and they kind of look like David Bowie as well which is all my weird niches I've got so many (laughs) weird niches yeah
0: bar house (laughs) David Bowie and COVID COVID.
1: that's a communal niche I feel like we all have the shared niche of COVID really relevant to Brave New World
0: yeah incredibly so so really. Yeah. Incredibly so. Yeah, it's crazy that this book was written in 1932. <clears throat> I didn't realise how old this book was. It's, what's what's amazing
1: about it is it's it's pre 1984, pre Isaac M. Foundation, it's pre Philip K. Dick. It's kind of the first of the dystopian novels after like Jules Verne and H. G. Wells. Like it it, it after like kind of War of the Worlds and those kind of sci fi books of the Victorian era. It came just after that and it, it talked We'll get into it, but it talks about how Huxley was part of this movement that was really anti Victorian sentiment. Yeah. And they were trying to move forward. And so I think a lot of that is based on him really rejecting the Victorian ideals of family, of nuclear family, which like came out so of of British times as well with Queen Victoria. And so that this book is just so evident of him and the kind of artist group he was part of just rejecting all of that. Take
0: Take us away on the summary.
1: Yeah. Okay, um, I hope I do this well. <laughs> but, <laughs> so Brave New World, it's a narrative uh, book of science fiction um, and it focuses uh, on what I think is really good science fiction writing is where you kind of take an idea of like what if. And the kind of what if that I think Huxley has taken here is what if um, sex has absolutely no moral meaning to anyone um, because mm-hmm. you've decided that fertility doesn't exist and we grow babies in test tubes. And so mm-hmm. that is the kind of preface. So you start the book um, as, a, as a kind of really big kind of exposition building the world, and it follows, it, it talks you through kind of this exposition, how babies are grown in test tubes, how they're conditioned, how everyone is built into different echelons of society. So you're, you know, an alpha, a beta, a gamma, and you have different roles in society, and everything is built to consume and everyone is conditioned to live in this perfect society. And so everything is perfect. There is not a single thing wrong and everyone is happy. And there's also a drug called Soma, which everyone takes um, to make sure that if they are a bit unhappy, they can just take Soma and then they'll wake up feeling fine. So the first character we get coming through this is a character called Bernard, who is disenchanted by the world that he lives in. and. He's a bit he's a bit of an outcast. And all the people think that maybe his conditioning went wrong, and maybe his test tube had like extra alcohol put in it. And he's not <laughs> as tall as the other alphas, he's not as broad as the other alphas, he's not as like sought after, and he has questions about the society that he lives in. Um so we kind of follow him and he he really wants uh to be with this girl called Lenina. That's her name, right? I think it's mm-hmm. Lanina. Um and Lenina is the perfect prototype uh woman for her echelon. I think she's an alpha. Um and so they're in the same uh society, they're in the same group, and he wants to go to what is called uh they call it a savage um outside reservation. They go to a reservation, which I think Mm -hmm. we can talk about more, but it's for the context it's written, it is problematic. And as some of the word, wording that he uses is, you know, it's something that in our society is really problematic. Again, the context of 1932, it's a very different world that he's riding in. So they <laughs> go to this reservation, which exists completely outside the bounds of this modern utopia. And Bernard is so fascinated by it. He's shocked, but he's fascinated. And Lenina is just disgusted. And so this this group that they go to, they go to America. And they go to um, kind of what is based on like a Native American reservation, Mm -hmm. pulls from a lot of that. More modern though, I think it does follow a similar timeline. They have lots of different gods. They they believe in Jesus. They believe in different spirits. They have loads of different um, kind of more ancient religious styles. Um, Mm -hmm. And when they're there, they find that one of the alphas, uh, Linda, got lost there 25 years ago. And she had to assimilate into this society that she did not belong. And her Jeez. morals did not line up with this society. She has a child, which is so taboo in the book. Like anything to do with mothers, <laughs> fathers, children, It's yeah. they call it pornography. Like anything like that is horrific and disgusting. So she has a natural child. The natural child grows up and his name is John. John, John that's right. Mm-hmm. I, was yeah. like, it's a really, I was like, James, David, yeah. it's a really... Yeah. She has John. And then Bernard gets in his head to take John back to civilization as an experiment and to prove that he has some kind of worth in society. So he takes Mm -hmm. John back. And I don't know if you put spoilers in here, but it kind of... Oh, we do spoilers. The whole thing is spoilers, yeah. Yeah, long story short, John doesn't assimilate well. He tries to live in the society of this utopia, but he does have religion, he does have art, and he has a lot of different values in this society. And so he ends up. Um, he ends up isolating himself from the society, and then he ends up um, committing suicide. So yeah, or dying by suicide. So he he ends yeah. his life at the end of the book. Um, and Bernard is shipped off to a colony where all the rebels live, and uh, Lenina lives the rest of her life as an alpha and yes. that is <laughs> that is the story <laughs> i think that's it is absolutely. that all right summary oh, that yeah that's two? a great i think, everyone, I think that yeah. was
2: a wonderful summary absolutely i think something that um i want to add is which is interesting the names that um that is his name pronounced Aldus? aldous i don't know aldous. that's such uh, a aldous aldous mr huxley the author Uh um (laughs) the way the names he chose are so interesting to me because bernard's last name was marx Uh we know Karl marx um was an eight uh, 19th century you know philosopher economist and um so clearly he would have been in this realm of of thought for mr huxley Uh um And he was an outsider. And Bernard's whole thing is that he rejects society so much in the first half of the book that he's considered antisocial because he doesn't want to sleep with everybody. And that's like a big part of society is you have to have sexual intimacy with as many people as possible. That's pro-social behavior, according to them. And it starts young as like children. And he doesn't want to do that. He just wants to be with Lenina. Lenina. yes lenina not Uh,
1: not lenin not lenina Lenina. but
2: yeah but the audiobook i was listening to he pronounced it lenina so i did hear that too yeah he had like an old school old school english accent very Uh posh so maybe there is a lenin thing i don't know but um but they're, yeah, so he's like just rejecting all of it. And it's interesting to me to see how quickly, once he gets the leg up and brings John back into this new society that they have, how quickly his rejection turns to starvation for validation from the rest of the people yeah the craving he completely turned around craved He and he loves his power he loves being in that new space and you see him like completely denying all the things that he was upset about before it was such a false rejection it was just because he wasn't popular it was all ego driven his rejection was and not actually morally driven
1: it's really fascinating when you look at the kind of there's i would say there's four well, there's maybe five characters that that show traits of an outsider. You start with Bernard, and then he has a friend. Hemholtz. His name. Yes, that's it. Hemot. So he yeah. he's the friend who visually fits into society yeah. and morally fits into society, but he yeah. also have he has questions. So he he very much fits all the tropes. He's handsome. He's tall. He's an alpha. He can get along with society, but he's really interested, I think, in literature, and he's yeah. a writer. And so he has these outsider qualities too, but displays them different to Bernard, who is visually Mm -hmm. different and who doesn't fit in. And then there's John, who is also really different from the society that he lives in. Mm -hmm. He's an outsider. He doesn't fit in. And then his mother, Linda, is very visually wrong in all worlds. She doesn't fit Mm -hmm. in literally anywhere, whereas John comes back to modern society and everyone thinks he's very handsome and tall and attractive. Yeah. His mom comes back and they're literally freaking out because she's old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, it's just interesting how each of the kind of, it's almost like the book is in three parts and each of the outsiders have a different motive and a different plot as they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, Bernard like just completely flips around. He gets the social status and he loves it. He mm-hmm. loves it,
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is interesting. And he it uses John to, to like, he steps on John in order to do that. Because he's like, yeah. look what yeah. I brought. Look at how, look, at, take a look at my freak show, quote unquote. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Very King Kong. It was very similar. Like the whole time I was like, this is the same story as King P-P-P-P- Kong. pg Barnum. Yeah. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> yeah. John is very much um, King Kong. And mm-hmm. yeah. the filmmaker person who brings King Kong back to New York was very much Bernard, who was like completely ostracized from the film industry. Mm-hmm. And then he brings him back. And he creates the monster and Lenin, Lenina is the is the girl in who seduces distress. him back in yeah so that was interesting and another thing I want to point out before we get too deep into it is time is measured based off of when um Henry Ford uh, made the first model t so they always mm-hmm. say after Ford it has been 634 years after Ford and w- instead mm-hmm. of saying like god as like a exclamation they say Ford and mm-hmm. um which so is, Ford they have,
1: becomes they have the yeah. chairing tea tower and they don't make the sign of the cross they make the sign of the tea and they've, they've switched yeah. everything out mm-hmm. which is really similar to um, Isaac Avanov's book Foundation he switches it all out to space so they'll say yeah. oh my space and they have a totally yeah. different language system for, for religion which is I think he obviously was super inspired by Brave New World which I think is really cool. <laughs> <was pretty> cool. <laughs> for sure they
2: have to be but it's cool because it's it's so technology focused and I I was mirroring that to today of like with AI and everything and how that's transformed my work as a writer and how CEOs look at me and don't look at me anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know and the creative industry and how it is being transformed by AI is interesting because I feel like um, I'll just Huxley was definitely making a statement about what happens when technology fixes all of our problems. Uh And we no longer can be part of it, and even making for God and the Mm -hmm. start of like real creation for the society
1: is really interesting to me. I have this quote from uh, Huxley that I thought was amazing. I only found it like in the last couple of hours, but he was speaking on BBC, I think, in the sixties. So quite like a good thirty years. It's uh, post war, post. It's kind of like after they've even spent Sputnik up. Like it's a proper retrospect but he said that technology was made for man but not man for technology oh, which i think cool. is really interesting and i think that that is this huge comment as well and, and what he talks a lot about in his um follow-up novel to brave new world which he published in 1959 58 yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's- 1958 or 59 um he he talks in depth about overpopulation and how and death control and birth control and so in brave new world it's pre the pill which is yeah. so interesting and it has it has this whole system of contraception for women um whereas he talks about death control being that they also control death in brave new world like they there is quite a, a they talk about a very distinct expiry date for people and they condition Aww. children into thinking that death is fine and it's just mm-hmm. extraordinarily okay um, whereas he talks about, yep. yeah, Ready yeah, yeah. Um, he talks about in his follow up about how we have paracetamol and clean water in so much of the world, which is extending people's lives, but we are repopulating the earth faster than that. And we keep the overpopulation of the planet is going to get out of control. I just, that actually scared me more than Brave New World as you think about climate change. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wow. This is uh-huh. 1959. <laughs> 1959? What is yeah. going on? I just thought it was, yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. But I digress. Back to whatever we were actually talking about.
2: <laughs> well, it's interesting that he was thinking about that stuff because I read that his dad was a biologist and uh-huh. his siblings were all scientists and he was supposed to go down that track and he didn't. And so I, I also think it's interesting how we see him blending these ideas that a biologist
1: would be concerned about. Another thing I was thinking that I find really fascinating when he is talking about, because I think now I could be wrong, he talks about eugenics. And is that like genetic control of people? Oh, baby. We got to
2: watch Gattaca, (laughs) Candice. I
1: love Gattaca.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Life-changing movie, honestly. Oh, my gosh. love Um,
1: (laughs) sci-fi. But (laughs) I think (laughs) what's really interesting is that this this conversation about eugenics strangely enough I remember being more prevalent when I was younger like say the early 2000s whereas a lot of the conversations now are a lot more around AI hugely so as we're talking about And like it's almost like no one really talks about eugenics any. like I remember they did when they were like when I was a kid for whatever reason there was a lot of talk about it and I think it was something to do with like hollywood and jeans and things like that Mm -hmm. and it was like this i feel that way too
0: yeah a lot of people were worried about i think like it's probably the introduction like the popularization of ivf as yes more fertility issues are coming cropping up Mm -hmm. um and so i think more traditional people who are more science averse are like well what now you can like just control whether or not your kids have brown eyes or blue eyes or
1: yeah I think as well uh, something that so the, the the version of the book I have has a forward by Margaret Atwood which I think yes. is so wonderful in so many ways because obviously Handmaid's Tale deals with very similar issues in a different way it's, it's mm-hmm. a lot about fertility and mm-hmm. I just think again I was thinking about it on the train and, and how we're in the context of 1932 so yes in this book none of the leaders are women but they also have a lot of the of they have the same rights as men bar none and i think that he's not written any female leaders i don't think necessarily because he didn't want to as much as his worldview meant that that happened you know like that's just he didn't think that far ahead but all the women have equal rights to sex Mm -hmm. there are abortion clinics are a, a wonderful places like he talks about how clean and lovely and how great mm-hmm. they are and he talks about um Methuselin boats is that what it is it Methuselah. Okay. They, they have like big contraception packs i just think yeah. it's interesting how how he writes the female characters in the book and yeah. what margaret atwood said was a similar thing that was like it never explicitly states that n- that homosexuality isn't around in the book he just doesn't write about it because the yeah. the phrase is that everyone can have everyone and he mm-hmm. only writes from a heterosexual lens but i have a feeling he maybe he i don't know but he probably was heterosexual and he probably wrote from yeah. that lens yeah. But i think what's interesting is when you think about ivf and you think about modern families and you think about you know same-sex couples who do have you know IVF children and the, the political and religious thoughts that go around that whole process mm-hmm. is also just really fascinating. And I think that is probably more of the discussion we hear is about adoption rights for, you know, queer people in general. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's
1: true.
0: Which is yeah, that's probably bigger of the
1: discussion than you can choose if your baby has brown eyes. It's more like a Yeah. Hang on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's Definitely. what's
1: natural, it's not natural and all these things. So that's yeah, yeah an interesting thing that he didn't really touch on but again i think in the context he wouldn't have he just wasn't living at that time Mm
0: -hmm. yeah definitely that's interesting i I feel like uh in today's atmosphere with with talking about abortion and and ivf and all of that and a woman's worth is in what she is able to carry you know um Mm -hmm. ivf kind of eliminates that from the discussion or like as a point for mm-hmm. that side to be like, oh, like a woman's worth is like whether or not she can have children. It's like, well, what about all of these women who like we have crops of fertility issues these days? And mm-hmm. do, does that make them less of a woman? So that mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing of how this Huxig is like ahead of his time, but also... Just, just but, the, the imagination that he had of just yeah. like, oh, like this is which, where we could go.
1: Which which uh, I want to ask a question to you guys. And this is something, so I, you know, I read it and I read up on a lot of things, but I didn't read about why it was banned and I have good like thoughts on why, but Ooh. do you guys have yeah. any more information that you can educate me on about why it was banned? Because I have a feeling we've touched on a lot of the issues of why. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't know. I didn't look it up either, but I have yep. a feeling I know why too. I think um,
0: it's yeah. Oh, were you gonna answer that, Nicole?
2: No, I wasn't. I well, I think it's the children being encouraged uh-huh. to to be yeah, um, sex, sexually yeah. playful with one another. Okay, that's Is that why. Fear. And I also think the suicide at the end, and okay. I think drugs, drug culture. I don't yep. know. I <laughs> um, uh, probably which, also which like the anti. They got
1: really into really got really i think i am pretty this sure he got quite so... into psychedelics later in his life i sure. think that was that's true, yeah.
2: so interesting because it feels like he's he's critiquing all these things but yep. from what you're saying but it sounds like he it. was actually really pro-technology pro uh, anti-nuclear oh, pro <laughs> anti anti-nuclear <laughs> family but it feels like he's critiquing so maybe he's just critiquing the extremes of his own community I don't I know. So, it's yeah. interesting though, because I would read it like, oh, he clearly likes the nuclear family. He likes <laughs> he uh-huh. likes being um feeling all the things and not using drugs to to numb. Oh, and so that's really yeah. fascinating what you're saying. I like my mind is blown. But I guess you can't
1: limit an author on living their lives
0: and doing yeah.
1: this This is what this is what Margaret Atwood says at the end of her essay. Okay. Is she asked two questions, but this the second question She asked, does the book still stand up as a good text? And she says, yes, she thinks it does. And the second one is, do you think that it is a good or a bad version of society? And she kind of answers and says, dear reader, this rests with you. Look in the mirror. Do you see Lenina Crow looking back at you? Or do you see John the Savage? If you're a human being, you'll be seeing something of both because we've always wanted it both ways. We wish to be mm. as the careless gods lying around on Olympus, eternally beautiful, having sex and <laughs> being entertained by the anguish of others. And At the same time, we want to be those anguished others, because we believe with John that life has meaning beyond the play with the senses, and that immediate gratification will never be enough. Mm. which i just think is so fascinating yeah Ooh. it's just such, more. A, she's such a great writer that. isn't she like listen to uh, just so essay. she should like win it, yes. an award oh, <laughs> margaret uh, she should publish
2: something sometime she should you write know. something yeah she's <laughs> really good at it yeah she should write something
0: uh, so i read this along with spark notes because i was having a tough time with the Pasha. yeah <laughs> accent i was like this is
1: lenina bernard this is
0: two
2: bernard yeah Bennett, Leonard, bernard, bernard lenina and, and Bernard.
0: Okay, I'm like, uh, like th- this is this is like sleepcast stories, you know, on Headspace. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm no, so, so tired. Comforting. Like, so comforting. So I was just like, I know, with out, accident. and then I was like, <laughs> I it It is so soothing. <laughs> but yeah, so I kept a, I kept on having to read Spark Notes, and um, the thing that they p- pointed out was that uh, the main theme is the incom- incompatibility of happiness and truth. And like, I I think Mm -hmm. that is a great, like Margaret Atwood's quote, those two Mm -hmm. characters are kind of embodiments of like Lenina was all about pursuing just happiness. And Mm -hmm. John was about truth. Like he he's coming at it from the perspective of art and like history and Shakespeare. Um, He quotes a lot from the Tempest and brave new world is a quote from Miranda. uh, yeah, from Miranda, and um, and he
1: chooses. He chooses at the end. I wish. I think he he has a big discussion at the end of the book with uh Mustafa Mond, who is the mm-hmm. world controller at this point. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about his character is he is completely woke in a sense in this world. Like yeah, eyes wide open. He's aware. He, like he is uh-huh. absolutely aware of what he's doing, and he has a really reasonable and if not long and maybe a little bit windy. Uh, conversation he has Very this it's. it's yeah, it's, it, <laughs> yeah. I, I did like you i was reading you were audio booking but as reading i was yeah. really dozing <laughs> he, he says something like um they they end up giving people vps treatment which is mm-hmm. where they regularly once a month we flood the whole system with adrenaline it's complete psychological equivalent of fear and rage all the tonic effects of murdering Desmonda uh, des and being murdered by Othello without any mm-hmm. of the inconvenience. And John says, but I like the inconvenience. And the controller says, well, we don't. We prefer to do things comfortably. And then John says, but I don't want comfort. I want God. I want poetry. I want real danger. I want freedom. I want goodness. I want sin. Um, and then he replies and says, in fact, you're claiming the right to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And John says, all right, then I'm claiming the right to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it is that whole discussion that they have. Yeah. And he goes, he, well, you'll grow old and ugly and impotent. You'll have syphilis and cancer. You'll have the <laughs> right to have too little to be eat, to be lousy, to live in constant apprehension of what may happen tomorrow, the right to catch ty- typhoid, to be tortured by unspeakable pains of every kind. And John ends up saying, no, I, I want them all. And I think that is that discussion. And I think it's a very biblical discussion too. Of Yeah. Of, can you have, yeah like, can uh-huh. you have pleasure without pain? Can you yeah. have joy without sadness? And yeah. like, I think that that is part of the human condition that he writes about. Is like, well, no, unfortunately.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And it is interesting because it, it kind of, if we're going to use a biblical allusion, it's kind of saying that this Eden that was created was created out of technology, out of uh-huh. uh, forward thinking, out of capitalism, which is mm-hmm. also a very Marxist idea, is that capitalism is a necessary evil because it will create the conditions in which humans can be creative and technology will do the labor that we don't want to do. And it will give us time to organize as a whole world and, um, eventually have that revolution, you know, Mm -hmm. but it is interesting if we're going to like, and I'm going to attach marks. I don't know if I'll just Huxley was like, yes, Bernard, Bernard, Bernard (laughs) Parks. That's an illusion. It is interesting because that is a a Garden of Eden made out of technology, but it's still not enough because John eventually has to leave it. And we see him leave this Eden that's created. And Mustafa Mond, the controller, he knows all of these things. He's very much playing God in that he knows these things, but he's also choosing what's best for his people. And he can send him to Iceland to Iceland wasn't that the place where all the rebels go
1: yeah there's a few they go to Iceland Bernard and the other ones go Hempoltz. to like Spain
2: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is also an interesting statement by I'll <laughs> just <Sucks>. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> New Mexico the only places that he listed were New Mexico Iceland and like Spain yeah so yeah. I was like yeah. it's like
1: some kind of islands like the Greek you, islands what or what something uh, right? about these
2: these populations <laughs> knowing more about him as an author conf- perplexes me even more about this book which mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. is a really good thing because Every book shouldn't be a manifesto by an author if he's writing fiction or if they're writing fiction, yeah. you know. Like it should be a creative work, and we should be able to take what we what's best for us at that time from it, you know. And I feel like a lot of re- readers want it to be like this is telling us what's moral and what's not. And And yeah. learning about Aldous Huxley is like, oh, I am even more perplexed about what you're saying here. Did John choose the right thing by leaving this Garden of Eden, or was he foolish by leaving? and Lenina to me Lenina was so passive with her choices and Mm I felt like she was only interested in Bernard and only interested in John because they were the rebels because they were different because she lost interest in Bernard once he assimilated to being popular king quarterback which I think says something
1: about her and her possible journey to like um, it, it's a little bit matrixy too, isn't it? It's a little bit yeah. like red pill, blue pill. Like yes. I also think that um, the Mustafa is very um, Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Oh,
2: uh-huh. oh- totally that moment of when they they meet the wizard yeah. and he's they like the wizard is i know all of th- you do have and heart. he's like here's here's oh, my yeah. shakespeare, <laughs> shakespeare yeah, he's like rocks, here's my
1: but here's my rest. vault that has shakespeare and the bible in it but yeah. you know, he, and that's where he has this really and i feel like that that is the, the whole and again as much as i found it a bit rambly and a little bit like <laughs> oh, huxley mate yeah. i think you could do a bit of a more succinct thing here, um I feel like that's where you you get the real he's the balanced person because he has all the knowledge but he chooses to continue to run the society the way it's being run because it is I mean it is sustainable Uh yeah and not in the not in the environmental way because everything is made for consumption and like the whole it's we have make do and mend but the one in there is like uh like New is is groove or something. Like, it's like they've got like different
2: like yeah. everything rhymes. Yeah, exactly. like, yeah, yeah. Why, yeah like, it's corn, uh, like, throw it away. New is good. New is
1: yeah, yeah. They 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 have all these things that, like just like that. yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of to buy new things and yeah. I also thought what well, was really interesting, and I think that this is for me. This is when my brain started to get a little bit glitchy. I don't know if this happens when you think too hard about something <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, that's too much. It's clear that these people have been conditioned, right? So the, yeah. the, from the time they're born, well, test tube grown, they get they get sleep sleep conditioning. So as test tubes, they get words like sent to them in my and then as babies they get these things. So they have loads of conditioning in their brain. And then John doesn't fit in because he's not conditioned to live in that world. But I, it made me think like he at the end, he like, he whips himself to make atonement for the sins that he thinks he's caused. And he prays to certain things. And I, I kind of had this thought of like, his conditioning is almost equal to theirs. He has been conditioned.
0: Oh.
1: in mm-hmm. he equally has been, he doesn't have the same things that they have mm-hmm. to live in the society. But in a way, like, it's like nature versus nurture, like how much mm-hmm. is us and how much is not just the product of what we've been told is us. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Absolutely, and his consequences are just as severe. Like, yeah, Lenina comes in, and tries to seduce him because that's her pro-social behavior, and yeah. he is so disgusted that he ends up beating her. Mm-hmm. Um, you yep. know, and so his consequences—the the intensity of which he feels when he's breaking his moral rules, which were brought upon by his community, to the point where they, his community in New Mexico, outcasted his mother for her when she brought in her social norms um like there's really serious consequences and Mm -hmm. we yeah it's not like he can think for himself it's like oh no immediately that was wrong my reaction is to do this Mm -hmm. there's no pause between him Mm -hmm. feeling Mm -hmm. shame Mm -hmm. and then beating her and blaming her Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of this sexism too which is like
0: Mm -hmm. and i think it's also commentary on colonization as well like hugely them coming into new mexico or john going into their society of just Mm -hmm. like this is wrong it's like what is wrong like the the relativity and
1: that's what i like that's what i like about it and i think that's what i learned so i read it for the first time five years ago um and i read it the same time that i read handmaid's tale and android's dream of electric sheep um i did a couple Mm -hmm. of sci-fi ones that (laughs) that's that's a doozy (laughs)
0: like (laughs) i love that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: I love that one as well. I can tell you all about that one. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think that's what it taught me the first time I read it, and what my takeaway for this was as well is that you don't know where other people are coming from, either culturally or um, anything. Like you, and I think it, it shapes how you interact with people. And you can see here, there's a level of empathy that is missing from everyone on every side. Yeah. Like, John refuses to understand how the, the new world works. Yeah. And Bernard and Lenina are just disgusted by the other world. Like, they, neither party goes, hang on a minute.
0: Okay.
1: Nah, maybe I should, like, try and see it from their perspective. Maybe I should yeah. understand more. And I think that, you know, when you do talk about it from the lens of, like, colonization, it's just, like, any kind of people that are, are other. So just, mm-hmm. just think twice before you judge someone's whatever as much as it's a hopeless book that is the hope i gain from it is yeah Mm -hmm. maybe next time i pass (laughs) some kind of judgment about someone else for their strange choice go well that choice probably came from a whole bunch
0: of different things yeah we weren't conditioned in test tubes but we were conditioned like i've been conditioned for the last 31 years in to think one way or another Mm -hmm. exactly we all have Mm um
2: something i was thinking about too and uh, along with the ivf conversation earlier not to like totally circle back but um is the level of control though and seeing who's in power and who gets to control because they control who's in which echelon they're also controlling in the fact that they're noticing who's sleeping with who how often they are um with each other and which children are not participating in these rituals who's participating in the orgy who's participating in this who's doing their job at work what are they writing like there's such an intense level of control in this new world and um there's Interestingly, on a micro level on the reservation, but even then the new world is controlling that. I mean, they're having people fly in and watch the people living on the reservation, like a human zoo. And they Mm. can go visit it and stay at a resort and go like just watch and do like tours and stuff like that. Like they're still enclosed. And so that level of control is interesting to me. And for me, the IVF didn't feel like they were equaling the playing field for any of these people because there's still a level of resources that were being Mm -hmm. used and pushed for certain DNA clusters, whereas not for others. And so that control level is terrifying because it feels very subtle because you have the illusion of having all the freedom you want as a member of this new society. You can do whatever you want. You feel good. You love your life. You love all this, but you're still being controlled. The director knew exactly what Lenina was doing and what Bernard was doing. And like, and what Hemholtz was writing, yeah. like they just knew every single thing. But there was that illusion of self-actualization within those echelons, and I wonder
1: yeah. how we're living in that space as well. <laughs> um, I'm going to read a little bit of this. It's called Brave New World Revisited, so it's his yeah his follow-up novel from the 1959 one. But he he talks so highly of 1984, so that this has come out by this time. So 1984 came out in 1948. Which I didn't know, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, hilarious! That makes so much sense." You yes. just switch the numbers. Oh, oh, George <laughs> oh, well, check well check look at, at you go! But <laughs> so obviously, 1984, the, the the dystopia that they run in is is uh, some you could argue as controlled as Brave New World. Like the, mm-hmm. the level of yeah. control, they they are being watched. The brother is always watching. But their it, language it, is monitored. Their language is monitored, yeah. but it is based off of a world of fear mm-hmm. and punishment. And what Huxley says here is, he says, the society described in 1984 is a society controlled almost exclusively by punishment and the fear of punishment. Which again, mm-hmm. 1984 talks a lot about love versus fear as its kind of core thing. In the imaginary world of my own fables, punishment is infrequent and generally mild. The nearly perfected control exercised by the government is achieved by systematic reinforcement of desirable behaviour by many kinds of non-violent manipulation, both physical mm. and psychological, and by genetic standardization. I just thought that's so interesting when you consider modern-day politics that uh-huh. it is rare that there are like the, the forceful control. And I think we, you know, sadly are seeing it currently in the in the Middle East and between Russia and the Ukraine. Like there there are some, there are proper conflict at the moment. But I just, again, as an observer of the American culture, <laughs> who was neither grown up <laughs> from or lived in. an Australian gal, yeah. From, from an Aussie <laughs> gal, like, watching Trump's tactics and, yeah. like, just how kind of capitalism rewards certain behavior and how we are all heavily manipulated by things like Boxing Day sales which mm-hmm. I 100% was like sucked into so many of them. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to buy the new thing now. Like I need it. It is like, well, I, yeah. need, I need to fit into society. It is good for me. It is morally good for me yeah. to make this purchase because I am saving money, which is morally good because money has value, which is blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there's like a really simple reward for me behaving in a certain way. Like, hey, good citizen, mm-hmm. here is a discount.
0: Mm-hmm. You've yeah. been
1: a good citizen. Yeah. Here's a reward. Here's a treat to keep participating. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, that's so fascinating. That yeah, 1984 comes at it from a way that you get punished, but Brave New World, I think it does look at reward. You know, mm-hmm. that is fascinating. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even
2: the the threat of going, being sent to Iceland. Like at first, when they threaten Bernard before he goes to the reservation, we don't know the implications of that mm-hmm. getting kicked out. But later, when they talk to Mustafa Mond, he makes it seem so lovely. He's like, other yeah. people are like you there. You'll fit in there. Yeah. That'll be nice for you. You don't belong here. Like, it's not like a, you are the worst. We're exiling you. It's no, yeah. this is, this might be a better option for you. I'm still rewarding. And, I'm still yeah, giving mm-hmm. you pledge. I'm not giving you fear, they, but he's still controlling the, the entire atmosphere. Like he's playing his game of chess with a lot yeah. of that benevolence, like false benevolence, mm-hmm.
1: you know? Cause it's like. Yeah, because I mean, what are the options? There was, there was no other option. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, to be fair, um, the friend is super chill wherever he goes. He's going to some bio- biology retreat or something, and he's like, "Yeah, go on then." guess yeah,
2: Hemholtz is like, <laughs> "As long as I can write." Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah. a, I'm a room of one's own." He really, can pull yeah, yeah. His... <laughs> uh-huh.
1: yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting. They don't, they don't ask Bernard or Hemholtz to change, which I think no. is interesting like they don't go you need to change you need to denounce your gods you need to um you know like in in 1984 and again correct me if I'm wrong but from memory there's rats there's a cage there's uh, Mm a fear versus love and it's like if you just say you don't love her and like they try to for they force him to change his mind whereas these lads they're like oh no you don't want to stay around you can go yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're not we're going we're to make you change. We're not going to make you fit into society, and we're not going to make you do this. We're going to say, souls you're out." Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't fit. Yeah, but Which we can is, assume. Is interesting in itself. Yeah. yeah,
2: and we can assume though that Iceland and Spain are other reservations of different sorts.
0: Yes, you know mm-hmm. because they're yeah. still
2: being controlled by the state to an yes. extent. So mm-hmm. we can assume, and there's that col- colonizing energy as well. Of like, oh yeah, you can just go somewhere else because we own that too, and we've pre- we prepared it for our people when they don't fit in. It's very Australia. Candace. I was about
0: to say Australia. historically, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and New York. Uh... I mean, in New York and the United and America, because a lot of people were sent to America that they didn't want in England. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. It's very, it's very much that energy of like, okay, we're not going to kill you, but we will make you do our our labor in another place. And uh-huh. uh, and just get out of our sights,
1: which is funny as well. When it's like another place that we don't necessarily need nor want, but we will no. kill all the native people on it just in case we want it. Yeah, because we need it. Just in case. case. Just in case. Like you think about Australia, like resource-wise, I think when they landed, they didn't have many resources. Like Australia, it now like has you know there's oil offshore and things like that, and it's you know a big farmland, but Back when Captain Cook colonized it, like he he landed in a swamp and was like, "Yeah, I okay, let's let's get rid of all these, let's get rid of these indigenous people because we don't need them because this is now our land." And you're kind of like, Mm. "Why did you need it, England? Why did you need it?" (laughs) Like, I understand war with France. I understand war with like Scotland. And I like, you know, England's a small country. They want to expand a little bit. I understand war in Europe. Like that's your neighbors. It's a fair <laughs> playing ground, I feel. Yeah. You've all got our. You gotta kill them. Yeah. Yeah, I see. <laughs> when it's like, yeah. you literally went to the other side of the world. Isn't you know. that, but isn't
2: that just like the... The true like corruption of white supremacy is that idea of like yeah. we yeah. need to own the it's that fallacy that because you are who you are, you get to own the entire world, and nothing's mm-hmm. big enough, so you must go to Mars and you must build spaceships and wear cowboy hats. You need to keep owning more and more and more yeah. and like
0: Consume I, more it's, and it's, more. it's no yeah.
2: face in um Spirited in a away. way where it's just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you can't be satisfied it's not gonna happen
0: the The funny thing is so. This conversation between comparing Brave New World and uh, 1984 makes me think of gentle parenting and corporal punishment.
1: <laughs> Fascinating. Please, <laughs> because, go on, Eden. Go yeah, on.
0: <laughs> yeah, Because just like a lot of people talk about how, um, well, people who were raised with corporal punishment, spankings mm-hmm. and all of that, they're like, oh, well, we need to bring back spanking because like, all these kids are being like, these gentle parents are being um too gentle or something like that but like we can see like where where i guess gentle parenting and brave new world diverge is Mm -hmm. like gentle parenting is about like teaching someone to be a better member of society or like of your family it's like Mm -hmm. hey we don't hit because Mm -hmm. that hurts um Mm -hmm. and uh and stuff like that but then the flip side of like the extreme of gentle parenting is that like you're so burnt out because you just want to <laughs> yell at your kid <laughs> that you're like <laughs> i'm not going to deal with this and just like walk yeah. out you know <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah i'll send you to ice I'll, I'll send myself to iceland you know like <laughs> yeah um, yeah an exile, dreamy yeah what a dream yeah. yes please
1: yeah <laughs> Um, I think I I don't I don't know much about the context as well, but I wonder where people like uh, Freud and Jung like fit into when he wrote this because I think conditioning yeah. and like like Pavlov's dog experiment. I'm not sure yeah. the year of that, but all of this. I'll look it up. It, it would it would feel like Huxley had a huge grasp on psychology as well mm-hmm. as biology. Like he writes from a very scientific biology perspective. Um, but then again, I mean, I feel like I could write a similar level of sci-fi where I could just make up <laughs> test tube babies. Like yeah. I, you know, yeah. it's very, it's very good. Obviously, I can't write Brave New World, but scientifically, I I think I, there could. wasn't much in it yeah. that I was like, thank you. Yeah, my knowledge of sci-fi guys is great. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't, he doesn't actually write with a huge amount of biological intensity. But he does from a psychological perspective, and the psychology yeah. behind it is enormous.
2: Yeah. Um, the Pavlov's dog experiment was 1902, so it'd be 1902. The
0: timing is yeah, years before. Perfect. perfect. Mm-hmm. I just had another stupid connection. Oh, I love I'm that! So I have good o- for it, yeah. the OC. <laughs> so Not a stupid connection. we have we have Candace. I don't know how familiar you are with the OC. As in the uh TV series from as the 2000s? in the TV series, yeah.
1: Um, yes. I will say it's. I am a wee bit too young for it, um, oh. but I do know what it is, and I was not yeah. allowed to watch it because I was too young. Absolutely,
2: yeah. I also of was not allowed, allowed to, to watch, watch it, it, but we all did.
0: I watched it in college. So, Nicole and said to be.
2: <laughs> It is one of the, the best as, things.
1: You watched
0: it as a retrospect. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. Honestly, though, it is one of the best. It is so important, Candace. I will... Mm, I just but, there's so yeah. much to say. Okay, go ahead, Ida. Incredible.
1: Incredible. Okay. Hit
2: me,
1: I,
0: I Hit me with the like OC. Maybe yeah. subconsciously Josh Schwartz, the 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 showrunner, might have like had Brave New World in his mind. Or like Brave New World is just like hitting all the all the tropes of like a a, a, a quote unquote utopian society, super yeah. wealthy, Orange County. Mm-hmm. There's a someone who doesn't fit in, Seth Cohen, Bernard Marks um and then all these like unattainable women who were raised in, not women they're high school girls unattainable high school girls who they are sound like women uh, who um were were raised in this society and then yeah. you have the outsider john who is um Ryan oh my gosh ryan atwood mm-hmm. so there you go there's my other yeah, Super connection stupid so watch the oc and you get the brave new world <laughs>
1: I feel but like we, I, we've managed to get references to so many things here. It's great uh-huh. It's like just everything links back to Brave New World. It's fine. <laughs> um,
2: but I will say, I think that something you you clicked on too with that Eden is is wealth. And I think mm-hmm. that when we're talking about that time between World War One and World War Two, when this book was written, um, we are like we're in a Great Depression in Europe, in America in the 1930s and it does seem at that point. And as someone who's been on like a lot of social services because I've been laid off and it's really hard, I've never felt more controlled and more monitored by our system and more stressed out about it. And it has really shown me that freedom really does come through wealth in, in the way our systems are built. And Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that that's an interesting thing because you see the community that Mustafa Mond has helped control is a wealthy community they're just flying helicopters whenever they want to um when we talk about ivf it's a wealthy man's game you can't like Mm -hmm. people who don't have the money because it's you know can't participate in that like all of these things this entire world is is funded by these resources that somehow this world has and um and it allows people not to have to feel anything
1: they get away with it and not necessarily get away with it because again I think Huxley, from everything we understand about him, was a wealthy man to begin with. Like, yeah. I think he sounds like to be where he was and be able to be a writer in the 30s, you can't exactly yeah. be a wealthy <laughs> <partner. laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I man. Um, so the narrative fixes very much on the wealthy area of society, but it does explain that there are, lower echelons of societies that, mm-hmm. that do what we would call working class jobs like they they are working on the factory yeah. lines they are making the things but they've conditioned they've been conditioned to love it and not have aspiration and yeah. not want to rise above their station like that's what they've been conditioned yeah. into to doing they say oh thank goodness I'm not an alpha they have to think so hard and thank goodness all I have to do it's yeah what a burden like thank goodness all I have to do is put cogs in this wheel yeah I love putting cogs in this wheel what a great day and then they're conditioned into loving being outside but hating the country so they go to play golf and spend money and buy all the equipment but hate being in the country so they come home and it's it's just fascinating that yeah. The world is very wealthy, but it still does rely on people doing mm-hmm. the rubbish jobs.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And isn't that such a luxury to believe that people who are without privilege love it? And like, it almost feels has- the best life to think, like, oh, yeah. everyone that doesn't have what I have, they're so happy. I don't have to feel, once again, I don't have to feel anything. I don't have about to feel that.
1: anything.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. it almost I don't have to feel feels, anything ever. It-
1: it feels a little bit like, um, you know, it's like how do we, how do we get away with this society being fine? It's like, oh well, they just like their job. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's also, it's also interesting because it's, it's the narrative that colonialism, I think, mm-hmm. builds on, and I think that like the slave trade built on that, a thousand percent. Oh, but they, but those people, they enjoy that work. They are yeah, living a this is good life. for them. You know, this mm-hmm. is good. like they—they're w- not smart enough to want mm-hmm. other jobs, and it's they like they don't
2: want to be smart enough to want other jobs. And I think reading that would still, be a burden.
1: Yeah, we exactly, yeah. and you kind of like, and it, but that's kind of what you know. Again, we have different backgrounds and lived experiences on this call, but like as women, I think a hundred years ago, it's kind of that. Well, I wouldn't. I don't want to vote. I don't want the responsibility of voting. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, that's a man. Yeah. That's man's work. You know, yeah. like it's it's that conditioning yeah. of like, oh, I wouldn't want the responsibility. Um, My aunt is doing her PhD in sociology and women's studies yeah. at Monash in Melbourne. She's a very cool, cool lady. She went, uh, she's a mature student, went back to university as an adult. Um, And she is just a fantastic and fascinating woman. But she was talking to me recently. We were talking about religion and she was talking about kind of the patriarchy and how her theory or, or the theories that she's studying or reading, um, mm-hmm speak a lot about how you know we talk about the reason for religion in society and it has many many wonderful qualities and many damaging ones and that you can have lots of arguments but she was talking about how she she is studying and believing that it is really about controlling women's fertility that like um that the idea of and again, I'm paraphrasing. And if she listens to this, she might message me and be like, you've <laughs> all wrong. <laughs> again, we spoke a little bit about how marriage was to make sure that children stayed in a family and a bloodline and you didn't have bastard children. And so that the, pa- like the, the man's bloodline could continue. And so they you create marriage as, you know, ordained by God
2: mm-hmm. and, a,
1: and a system to make sure that yeah, like it's a control of women because with, with the fertility issues of Brave New World and Handmaid's Tale, if you think about it that way, I think it's so interesting that Huxley was like, okay, so if you were to get rid of that, that thought about women's reproductive, like, if you thought like, about fertility for women, and if you just got rid of that, you could probably get rid of religion at the same time. You know, like mm. he, he kind yeah. of takes a foul, He takes a stab at both of them, and he's like, "Okay, well, these things are so linked." Um, mm-hmm. and then how? That's yeah, he looks into both of those things.
2: That's so interesting. I'm going to counter that though with saying that they created their own new religion. Though, they may have rejected yes. the uh-huh. religion of the past, but they created a whole yeah. new religion that was just as strict about sexuality, but on the other side. On
1: I mean, the exactly. exactly, exactly,
2: and so I think those extremes is where yeah Huxley is doing like he's just so brilliant with it the extremes are so intense i mean the self-flagellation because he mm-hmm. sinned john um uh-huh. plays that other extreme which is like whoa this this ideology is only brings pain pain is how you feel clean and um and then the other ideology that comes from the new world, the Ford religion, where they do r- rituals and rites and orgies and they have the fire pit and they do things and they have... You know,
1: and which there's, was a there's wild a... chapter. Can we
2: just there is like there is <laughs> yeah. like a that chapter also. I was like, I don't even know what happened. I'm gonna also yeah. cir- I'll circle back in my own time because yeah, I was yeah. just like, this is scary. This is intense. It is uh-huh. so
1: weird. It is like yeah. a proper like cult level. Cult- yes,
2: it reminded uh-huh. me of all the cult documentaries I've watched where I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah. is this is this wild yeah. wild country happening? Is this what's yeah. going on? And I <laughs> am just and,
1: like watching and being like. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Like, this is fine. and it's just yeah. it is it is really funny it's like, because this feels the society, <laughs> yeah the society is so like uh, square like it's it's clean they have jobs they do these things and then like yeah oh jokes and then you have like the two o'clock orgy on a saturday Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> all the helicopters are just buzzing around watching it uh-huh. and people are it's just like so chaotic feeling yeah. that there's and that might have been like part of that adrenaline bit of like they gotta get have left. you
1: have you guys read and I don't know actually I don't know if it's on your list it could be but you know the book perfume I know about that book, about but I haven't read it okay I have a feeling it <laughs> those I, eyes I have, get so excited yeah I have a feeling it's been <laughs> challenged I don't know if it has For been, sure. but yeah. I yeah um but it's uh it has a wild ending like like I, it will stay with, the ending will stay with me forever and ever it's a it's actually i really think the book is fantastic and i would highly recommend it um okay it's wonderful but yeah the ending <laughs> Wow. <laughs> i'm not gonna say what happens Um, but you know read between the lines between the lines i'm
2: gonna read it i'm gonna read it yeah Yeah. i I have one question and it's just a literacy question because i genuinely didn't understand this they talk about these lupus rashes all the time and i even looked it up and i was like do they actually have lupus like do they actually have the rosacea situation and all that because of like the different supplements or shots that they were given is that part of the conditioning or are, is he just talking about the lighting in these spaces it's to me the way i, I read it was like it. they have these really intense like purplish rashes all over their bodies mm-hmm. and um and that's now the new form of beauty like the more rash you have the more beautiful you are. so i i wasn't like i just wasn't sure what was going on there and I don't know if he was using lupus in a yeah. 1930s way when I'm looking at it as an autoimmune disease. So yeah. <laughs> I don't like, there's a lot where I was like, I don't understand. But he kept talking about the lupus rash, and
1: I want to know what you guys See, thought
0: I, I, that he I meant by that. Picked up
1: on that. I only picked it up on it at the beginning, and I thought that it was, yeah, it was like a um, a test tube thing that they that everyone was like very yellow very yellow tone so more of a jaundice thing yeah, yeah I, read jaundice. I read it as jaundice more than okay anything else i was picturing um, like purple yeah see i think yeah. I just my brain just like purple. deleted that as information that i needed to know pretty early well, on. Yeah. maybe not i'm just an autoimmune girl so my, i love, yeah, my, my, I my love brain, thinking oh, yeah you're like i'm there. but what what yeah. i thought was interesting is he described all the women often as like quite curvy mm-hmm. yeah like which often, which like
2: which makes you think of fertility.
1: Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that very but Linda, but Linda thing. comes home from the reservation very much too curvy. He makes a very big point about uh, her. That's true. <laughs> like there's a lot going on there. Oh, and I'm yeah. like,
2: mm. They use that what was the word they kept using? Um it was like an aromatic. They that, kept saying Yeah, Lenina like, mm. would keep yeah. saying like, I'm so aromatic. They, everyone yeah. says it, aromatic. And I was like, what the heck does that mean?
1: Was the what was the word aromatic? Was it? Because I thought it was. Oh, not
2: aromatic. Pneumatic. 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 Cool. Oh, I was pneumatic. like, I was like, aromatic. <laughs> what was I reading? you like Nicole. I like, I don't Nicole. Nicole. Okay. <laughs> um, it means full of air. So pneumatic.
1: Yeah, because a pneumatic system. in like a, In machinery is like. Uh, so why are they a calling these
2: gals pneumatic? So this one says having a body with full pleasing curves. The, uh, yeah. the movie stars a pneumatic head. blonde. What is, I've never heard. Is that, a, is that a, a Commonwealth phrase? Is that a thing you guys say in Australia? Pneumatic? I mean, or is this a 1930s I, like transatlantic thing?
0: I feel well, like it's got in, it immediately. I it did feels,
2: get it immediately, yeah. but I
1: don't know if I was just like filling in the blanks. Like my mind was mm. just like, what is the context no here? Here's a, here's a word I, was, I don't like, know
2: yeah I was like pneumatic she's got lungs there's something sexy about it I don't know how pneumatic that was where i like well because I was also like lupus she's got lupus she's got some sort of pneumatic disease (laughs) I was very concerned where
0: like people thought TB was really attractive because like it made well it made women seem frail and that's made them attractive
2: Greta Garbo, I swear, had tuberculosis in, like, so many of her movies. Like, there was so many scenes of her coughing blood into a tissue. And Robert Taylor being like, oh, Greta. Um, that's, I like, such like, a big part of, like, pre-code Hollywood was TB, for sure. <laughs>
1: <Wow>.
2: <laughs> Candace, are there any other themes or ideas you want to touch on? Before we start tying up ends.
1: I think I've said most of my highlights I will say just I mean I guess I guess it was just such a a pleasure to reread it as something that I read five years ago and also found quite shocking at the time like I do remember being quite like taken Mm. aback by the sexuality being quite in your face yeah Um, and interestingly I think like as I've just grown up a bit (laughs) Um, and maybe like my view of the world has changed my view on the book changed immensely um in terms of how it didn't really seem that shocking anymore Mm -hmm. i i think that i will read it in five years time and have a very different
2: view of it again mm
1: -hmm. and that's why i think the the strength of these books are is that you can keep coming back to them and read with the lens of ai or read with the lens of fertility yeah IVF, or read with mm-hmm. the lens of conflict and war
0: yeah.
1: um and it's yeah it, it will forever changing
0: or the oc parenting
1: or the oc <laughs> exactly what's so important. circle um
0: <laughs>
2: i this time reading the first time i read it i was like oh my gosh john is a martyr he's a hero i love him so much i too want to have the right to being unhappy and i had like you know like that jack london quote where it's like i'd rather be a burning meteor than or what you know whatever he says than a solid solitary whatever planet that was i totally butchered that but i was like yeah john (laughs) you got it um uh very romanticized vision of freedom and what that means um And then this time when I read it, I was like, oh, John sucks. He's a sexist (laughs) jerk um, who doesn't know how to deal with any of it. He's super mature. Um, Reading Shakespeare rocks, though. I think I should read more Shakespeare. And the other one that I took away from it was like um, the children, like it did disturb me. The children's um, sexual play really freaked me out Mm -hmm. because I was like, those bodies cannot handle that. That's like, that's child abuse. <laughs> you know, their mm-hmm, nervous yeah. systems, that's yeah. gonna mess them up puberty wise and hormone wise. Like that is not, that is so stressful to me. And um, and just that throwaway nature and consent. I don't even know how consent works in this, in these conversations with where you're expected. And so I well, came at it from there, like-
1: There was no consent, I think, yeah. because the government controlled it. The government had the answer and the answer was always yes.
2: Yeah, and that's where I was like, so even looking at Lenina, I felt like, wow, what a victim. She being passive when she did try to assert herself, mm-hmm. um, it was very confused. It was like watching a small child try to make a choice where she's like, I want us to do John. She's confused why it didn't work. She's confused why she wants us to do so. She's confused why it doesn't like everything. Anytime she did assert herself, it was so strange you know yeah. it felt like watching a small child um mm-hmm. and
0: and she like, she wanted yeah. to be monogamous right in the beginning she was like going mm-hmm. to study with someone yeah and she all was like, her friends yeah. Were like and
2: she was like i guess i'll go with bernard in order to be pro social um, Yeah, and even though the guy she was dating also was going out with lots of people but like mm. she she was constantly fighting what she actually wanted but also she wanted to fight it because like, she just felt so passive. Even talking to her girlfriend, Mm -hmm. they're sitting there and they're talking about like the belt that she's going to wear on a date or whatever. And it was just like, like nothing. I don't know. And having her contrasting with Linda, who Linda Mm -hmm. was very proactive in her life, also a victim of circumstance, but was so obsessed and choosing to be part of this conforming society that it kills her. Um, Mm -hmm, and it's just like the women the choice of these women were so interesting to me as foils it was so interesting to me that the extremes and this time I just didn't see John as a hero I saw myself in Lenina a lot as being a woman and feeling passive about certain things in my life and trying to figure out where I can be active
1: and then also um, just like you know like rejection sucks like Powder like her. it just always sucked. Like it, on a like very sucks. real level yeah. I like, uh-huh. like I just wanted to date this guy <laughs> I, just, <laughs> God, I just wanted to date on the she didn't want to date me left. and it's like yeah. oh hun like I've had like a thousand Johns they're the worst,
2: <laughs> it <laughs> sucks, it the worst. <laughs> Like it
1: sucks It's and then
2: going to the resurrection like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be this is stressing <laughs> me out yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was interesting and Mustafa Mond, I think he was the character that I was most interested in for sure. Yeah, I want, yeah. I want like a series about him and his life. And I want to like know how he got to be controller, how he decided to choose that role, if he did get to choose it, if it was like a giver situation, because he's so educated in all mm-hmm. of the things and why he, you know, I just want to, I want more of, I want more Mustafa. Can mm-hmm. you a great name
1: as well. Oh, Mustafa. <laughs> yeah, great.
2: That was quite the monologue though. So I
0: apologize. Yeah, it but... was, <laughs> it was, yeah.
2: He was was Another sleep
0: cast.
2: Another Eden, sleep cast. Eden's didn't just resting her eyes over
0: there. <laughs> I'm just resting my eyes. I'm yeah. uh, yeah, very close to giving birth here, so I'm yeah. just like taking it all in. <laughs>
2: yeah, Eden, what were your final thoughts about this book before we talk about why it was banned?
0: It was. It was mostly. Yeah, yeah I I mostly the OC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Such good thought. um But yeah, I, I was looking up why it was banned. So, um, candace any guesses? Nicole I, and I talked about our guesses. I,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, my guesses. I thought I read something at one point about the zipper knickers. Um, huh? and don't even something. Remember
0: those?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, zipper knickers. Yeah, zipper knickers. So the zip had like, oh, I could be. Getting... I thought the zip had just been invented. Like zippers were new, and I think that what. What really confused me is I was like, knickers? <laughs> like, modern knickers aren't that hard to get off? Like, they're just like, it's like, it was, like the whole point of these women wearing these, like, this kind of underwear is that it was like very quick to take off so you could have sex at any time because, you know, oh, everyone having sex everywhere. Zipper so, like, knickers. Yeah. And so, like, there was like zipper like all their clothing had zips on it to be able to okay. you know, get in and out and I think yeah my mind just kept baffling being like I don't know like I just don't really struggle taking my underwear off like it's not yeah. like, <laughs> a big issue. so then I was trying to think like contextually I'm like okay I was like we are post war so we are like we've ditched the corset but maybe we still have like um Maybe we still have some kind of suspender belts happening, which means, yeah, okay, that is quite difficult. Like maybe yeah. there is still a <laughs> yeah. situation in nineteen thirty six. You and the zipper knickers, like... me and the pneumatic. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was just kind of stuck on the like, why is this? Why does he keep talking about zipper knickers? Like underwear is hard to remove. And then I just had to kind of be like, I think it maybe was hard to remove. I think that if you did have stockings and suspender belts and a girdle, Maybe you were still wearing a a show back then. So so I was like, yeah, okay, fair. Zipper knickers. And I'm like, but hun, elastic. Like, I don't know when that gets invented, but it's going to change your life. (laughs) 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 But I have a feeling that zipper knickers are one of the reasons it gets banned.
2: Mm Oh, I love that. I think historically that's probably a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Mm -hmm. Eden, why is it?
0: Okay. So uh, this is interesting. In 2010 and 2011, so around the time that Nicole and I graduated high school. I'm mm-hmm. not sure when he graduated, Candace. 2012. 2012. Okay. You don't know
2: your school system. How old were you when yeah, you
0: graduated? Uh, 18. Okay, same same, Yeah. yeah. Same. Um, yeah, it was yeah. on the list of the top, <laughs> top 10 most challenged books. It has <laughs> since dropped into the top 100 for the last couple decades. But, well, I wonder so, if
2: it's just because people haven't that. been reading it.
0: Yeah. i wonder if that too <laughs>
2: you know if there's we just like of we're it. distracted by yeah. all the lgbtq plus books yeah we yeah. need yeah. a man hot yeah. stuff but we've got bigger fish to fry yeah yep yeah. <laughs> we have to make sure every book is heterosexual from yeah. here on down yeah.
0: this one is we can yeah. take this yeah. off the list
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't actually list any specific things. It just says, um, due to insensitivity, offensive language, nudity, racism, conflict with a religious mm. viewpoint, and being mm-hmm. sexually explicit. Um, yeah. In 1932, it was banned in Ireland for its language mm-hmm. and for supposedly being anti-family and anti-religion. Yeah, well, I mean... 19- <laughs> um, a Maryland English teacher alleged that he was fired for assigning Brave New World to students and sued for violation of First Amendment rights, but lost both his case and the appeal. And the appeals court said that the book was not the reason for his firing. (laughs) That's pretty (laughs) funny. Um, It was banned in India. So this is like globally banned. Mm -hmm. Um, Book was banned in India in 1967, with Huxley accused of being a pornographer. (laughs) Um, And then the version of Brave New World revisited published in china actually lacks explicit mentions of china itself but within the u.s it's the insensitivity offensive language nudity racism conflicts
2: yeah religion
0: and sexually explicit
2: yeah i did hate every time he talked about the reservation and used the word savage i just made me yeah Yeah. it was very
1: for good reason yeah and so how you as a young reader especially uh, approach that kind of thing um and I think, again, I think it is, it is, it felt as a mature reader, quite uh, evident what Huxley was doing when he was talking about the reservation. Absolutely. There was a reason. Kind of, and and you can kind of take it for like, again, it doesn't excuse it. You don't say, well, mm-hmm. it's okay because he wrote it in 1932. But you mm-hmm. are kind of like, I mean, people thought so differently then. And I, he yeah. seems like the kind of like his writing for then would make sense if it was written today. Yeah. And interestingly enough, there is. Have you uh, read up or seen any of the clips from the TV series that was released a few years ago? Oh my
2: gosh, my ex boyfriend's ex girlfriend, her ex boyfriend
1: is the lead. Stop. Stop, Stop (laughs) Nicole. The lead on that show? The lead. Not the one from Downton Abbey. Sorry, this is a really important. uh, No, he's
2: the one that was in Han Solo oh he's the—he's okay. one of my those boyfriend
0: was in han solo
2: yeah he was han solo oh, yeah 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 oh. the lead guy
1: in it
0: oh yeah wow, stop stop
2: my ex-boyfriend's ex-girlfriend's ex-boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. yeah
1: <laughs> so really you've dated this guy well <laughs> so like... i
2: dated him so we were dating
1: <laughs> this is outstanding two degrees okay, of separation <laughs> I, I bring this up i bring this up to say Interestingly, it looks like from the clips that I've watched and the trailers, it looks like the reservation has been switched out for a really low socioeconomic kind of modern place in terms mm-hmm. of it's like, like, you know, people are living in slums, and, but it's like racially yeah. ambiguous, it is yeah. geographically ambiguous, it is just poverty, yeah. um, mm. which I think tells the story equally as well.
2: I think so, too. And I yep. do think that there's a reason why Huxley used the word savage, because he, I think he was being ironic showing how John makes it very clear that this new civilization, the one in England, um, is actually more of a quote unquote savage place. Um, mm-hmm. The way that his yep. mother died and the way that those uh, like orgies were happening and things like that. So he uses that word, at, I think, to move plot. I don't think it was just like a haphazard choice but I do think that it's that idea of like the manic pixie dream girl I think using a reservation and using an indigenous population as a to like you know in that way I think is is very backwards and of that era and um mm-hmm. and hopefully writers don't do that anymore.
1: Yeah and again not defending the decision at all whatsoever. Right 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 but- right he talks a lot about in the preface i think his trip to america or his trip to yeah. america specifically and how it was the contrast of of the american dream of capitalism that he saw in la i think was where he ended Ugh. up or new york yeah. and LA, where he he was shocked and appalled by it and hated it and so he went back to england mm. where he where he started writing about it and it, and I think so. I think he was already writing with an American lens, so it kind of makes sense yeah. that he was then comparing. Okay, in America, what is this yeah. system? Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, they so have sense. oppressed mostly their indigenous population. So mm-hmm. we'll start with the most reverse of what yeah. what they are now kind of thing.
2: Oh, and LA, let's be real. If you don't go to LA and come back wanting to re- to write a dystopian novel about gratuity <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, I don't know what you're doing wrong, but
1: truly, I yeah. can't wait for something like the future Gwyneth Paltrow goop horror film situation. <laughs> like, oh, I cannot wait. Great times. great times. Like again, linking it back to Brave New World, but goop isn't far off of the weird stuff that happens in there, like uh-huh. you know, It's It's, really in the same vein of extreme wealth and extreme beauty. And it's all kind of looped in. Yeah. And
2: I had an issue with dystopian work until someone laid it out to me. They're like, every dystopian novel grabs one thing and takes it away. And I was like, Oh wow. Like, so 1984, their whole bit is words. So Mm -hmm. it completely changes. It flips words on. And then like Brave New World, the one could be like, I don't know but it, it takes a, a main thing and, and just like yeah. manipulates the heck out of it and leaves everything else
1: it just takes natural birth away
2: yeah there natural you go birth. it takes the, the family dynamic yeah. I guess yeah
0: and I also think like the like going back to the happiness or truth it also takes truth away of just like
2: yeah
0: history is, history is bunk like that was one of their <laughs> mantras yeah,
2: yeah or just emotion it takes away human emotion emotion. yeah yeah i'm excited okay i love this canvas can we just hang out more
1: yeah you remember when i know and grab a coffee and it's like oh we're here in three different locations in the world i
2: just like you so much
0: gosh guys Burn This Book is produced by us, Nicola Corrin and Eden Nguyen.
2: Music by myself, Nicole,
0: and performed by my
2: dad, Frank.